Gracious God, help us to follow your way of the cross, which is the way of life. Amen. My favorite type of movies are psychological thrillers. Movies like The Usual Suspects, Inception, Memento, or Interstellar. They all have a twist at the end that make us go back and reinterpret everything that we had assumed about the plot of the movie. The same thing is true if you've ever read the Chronicle of Narnia series. Once you finish it, you have to re-examine everything that had led up to that final chapter. Well, in the story of the God of Israel, we see that same sort of thing happening. It is a psychological thriller. This Holy Week, the sermons have all been focusing on different ways that we can think about the cross of Jesus. And tonight, we consider the cross as recapitulation. To recapitulate means to tell the same story differently. In light of the conclusion, we read the entire story anew and see new meaning throughout it. The story of Israel is radically reframed when we see that the story is consummated at the crucifixion. An executed Messiah forces us to go back and rethink what we mean by salvation and redemption. If we were expecting a mighty and victorious Savior who would conquer, well then when we meet Jesus who is rejected betrayed and conquered, we are made to look again, to look deeper and see how it is that the cross makes sense of the whole story. Recapitulation is one of the most ancient ways that the church has understood the cross. Irenaeus was a bishop in the second century and he wrote about this way of understanding the cross. And Irenaeus was a student of Polycarp Polycarp was a student of St. John. So Irenaeus is just a couple of generations removed from Jesus, closely linked to an apostle who witnessed these events firsthand. And the lens through which he sees the cross and talks to us about it is that the cross is retelling and completing the story of Israel. Now the story as it had been received was that God made a covenant with Abraham to bless not only the descendants of Abraham and Sarah, but the whole world would be blessed through them. But there was a problem. Their offspring ended up enslaved in Egypt. The people had no way out of this oppression or slavery. But as, so, as God so often does, God made a way out of no way and liberated the people. This event is known as the Exodus, and it became the central story for Israel. Who are the Jews? They are the people that God brought out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land. And this liberation is what is remembered at Passover celebrations, which we heard recounted in tonight's first reading. What caused Pharaoh to relent and let people go was the plague of death that killed the firstborn children of Egypt. But the Hebrew people were spared this death as death passed over their homes on that night. This further cemented them as God's chosen people. It deepened the covenant. 
God is the one who saved them, and they were to respond with loyalty and faithfulness to God. But just as you and I fall short in our relationship with God, so too did the people of Israel fail to maintain that relationship with God. They neglected to worship God as they worshiped false gods instead. God identifies with the least and the lost. And by neglecting the poor, the widows and the orphans, the people turned their backs on God. Though God was faithful to the covenant, the people were not. And as a result of this brokenness, the people opened themselves to the consequences of living without God at the center. The Babylonians came in, destroyed the temple, and sent many of the people into exile in Babylon. The story, it would seem, was over. But through the prophet Jeremiah, God had a word of hope and comfort to speak. God told the people that a new covenant was coming, not like the one that people broke, but one that would be planted within their hearts, in their very being. God recommitted to being their God and claims all of us as his people. And the word here for a new covenant, it does not mean that the former covenant is null and void. Rather, it means something like renewed, rejuvenated, restored, refreshed. God meets our failures, not with rejection, not telling us you've got one more chance at this. Rather, God meets us with mercy and grace. No longer will the law be a burden to keep but God's teaching will be put into our very being. As Christians, we understand that this is the Holy Spirit, the gift of God's abiding presence with us. And all of this, the exodus, exile, and restoration need to be kept in mind for us to hear the full impact of what Jesus is saying when he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. In calling us to remember, Jesus is making present that steadfast love and salvation of God. When Jesus says, this is the new covenant, yes, he is quoting Jeremiah, but it is just as true that God's prophecy through Jeremiah was anticipating this moment at which the whole story of Israel would be recapitulated and culminated. Through the lens of the cross, we see that God's salvation was not only about death passing over that people on that night before the Exodus. Rather, God intends for all of us to pass over from death into eternal life. God not only desires for us to know teachings about our faith, but God plants this desire to grow closer to God in each of us. It's why St. Augustine said that our hearts are restless until they rest in God. Because Jeremiah's prophecy is exactly right. God has written that law of love on our hearts. And when we neglect that love, we feel empty. And so we are given the Holy Spirit to assure us in this love and to guide us walking the way of love. Now, for most of Israel's history, the way a covenant would be enacted was through a sacrifice of some sort, which always involved the bloodshed of an animal. 
Well, the cross is God's signature on this new covenant. The reason why we can know and trust that these words are sure and certain is that they have the blood of Jesus behind them. In the cross, we have a demonstration of the fullness of God's love and mercy for each of us. And just as the exodus out of Egypt made that people into a nation, the cross also transforms us. Irenaeus, that early bishop that I mentioned, who spoke about the cross as recapitulation, he put it this way, God became as we are so that we might become as he is. Our story is summed up in Jesus, and we are perfected by being made a part of this story. And this idea of recapitulation, it's rooted in Romans 5, where St. Paul writes, Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. In other words, the script has been flipped. In Adam, which, which is just a way of saying that we are humans, we are subject to death and captive to sin. But there has been a plot twist. A new Adam steps onto the scene. And this new Adam, Jesus Christ, reframes what is possible for humanity because the story is changed. No longer is death final. No longer are we subjects to sin because we have been shown the most excellent way of love, which is more enduring than death and more definitive than sin. It means that death is not the end and that we are not our mistakes. Rather, we are given eternal life because we are loved by God and this love is given to us by grace. It is not something we have to earn or keep, rather it has been written onto our hearts by the one who made all things. The story of brokenness and exile that began with our disobedience, it does not end with our annihilation or our death, but rather in God's gracious and redeeming love. Our murder of God on the cross did not collapse creation or condemn us to chaos. Rather, it became the seed of resurrection. And as a sign and a token of this surprising and amazing grace, our Lord has given his body and blood for us. On Monday, Thursday, we remember that on the night before his crucifixion, Jesus took bread and wine and showed us that they are doorways to a deeper reality. This is the bread of heaven and the blood of the new covenant that give us eternal life. God promised through Jeremiah to put this covenant inside of us. And the Eucharist is one way that God has chosen to do this. The Eucharist not only reminds us of the passion of Jesus that tells this story of God's love in a new way, but it also gives us a little taste of that day when we shall all feast at the banquet of the Lamb around the throne of God. And because we know how the story ends, it means that our lives take on a whole new direction. The cross recapitulates the story of faith. And in the 
best plot twist ever. It reframes our lives. Because we do not belong to sin and death. We do not belong to what we have done or might have done. We do not belong to the past. Rather, we belong always alive to God's future. A future of peace and love that we can only begin to imagine today. A future in which all things are made well by the cross of Jesus. In Jesus, God is reframing that story of sin and death to be one of love and mercy. And by the gift of grace, we are made a part of that story.